I know there are people uh, with lots of negativity, and of course, it could go wrong in the end as well. But um, at this point, I think, you know, I'm in 100% control of the company. There are no more lawsuits. I don't have any manufacturer to to uh, to talk to when when things need to be done. It's all in my hands now, and I know that um, that I can do this. Welcome to episode 395 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. Well, you just heard from Barry. He has come out of hiding and did an interview with Pinball News and Magazine Podcast. It's two and a half hours long. Lots of ums, lots of pauses, lots of laughter, but lots of information on what the plan is moving forward on Dutch Pinball. I will summarize for you uh, the cliff notes and main things that I pulled away from listening to all of that interview. Uh, And on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast, we're also going to interview someone who flipped their big Lebowski for big bucks. And I know that was something we all knew would happen when those 40 games from ARA went out. So I'm I'm just, I think you're going to enjoy listening to what goes on inside the mind of someone who's trading a game that was made for somebody else. But here's the takeaway on all of this. And if you listen to the interview, I don't know about you, but part of what I pulled away was the jovial nature that is still existing in Barry's head. There's lots of laughter. There's lots of like playful banter. He doesn't seem like he fully gets it. And what I mean by that is I just don't think he ever takes this that seriously. And maybe he does, but maybe it's just in his nature. But I don't want to hear laughter and I don't want to I don't want it to sound like you're having a good time here because Five years have passed, and the majority of your customers have been burned. I almost don't want to hear anything from you until you figure out what to do. Uh, But here's what they do best. They sell you on hope that it's all going to work out, that you should be as optimistic as they are, that they're going to figure this whole thing out. Now, here's some of the, the key points. If you're an early achiever and you are waiting for your game, they have started to put together what their plan is. Their plan is to manufacture these games by themselves. They are going to move away from ARA. They're not making the games in China. The games will be made in the Netherlands by Dutch Pinball. Who will help them make these games? They're not sure yet. They're going to start small. It sounds like it's going to be Barry and just maybe a couple people putting the initial games together. Okay, he says he has money to do this. He also said he is not going to take any more pre-order money to get things going. So if you are asked to pay for a game that's not yet in a box, do not do that. Okay, be smart this time. So where is that external investment coming from? We don't know yet. Uh, They avoided bankruptcy with the coin taker deal. Here's the really interesting part to make the EA's whole. Barry has estimated that he needs to sell between four and 500 Big Lebowskis at $12,500, okay? And after that point, and only after that point, will EA games be made. He's not going to make like two new games and then give an EA a game. It can't happen like that. Okay, so then he also went and made the cardinal mistake that all these companies do when they restart. Remember, Andrew Highway used to do this. Without knowing when they're going to start production, 
without knowing who their labor is, without having all the parts ready, he's already giving an estimate by which he believes all of those games will be made. And he said by the end of next year. So by the end of 2020, Dutch Pinball, a company that has no manufacturing capabilities right now, a company that has never manufactured a single pinball machine before themselves, has just put out on a podcast that they're going to make 500 games. And then you have to ask yourself, well, since they're not making them right now, that could be upwards of 10 games a week. Do you think that they can pull it off? I mean, that's kind of what Spooky Pinball is making on a weekly basis. And Charlie's got 18 employees and he's been doing it for years and he's figured out, you know, the assembly line and all the manufacturing and all the vendors and all the playfield issues. He has built that company slowly to get up to 500 games a year. And now we have Barry without even a company around him who is making the same promise. Uh, So take it for what it's worth. That is where we are at right now. It seems like the road to get there is going to be long. I I am doubtful that we will see it in a year from now. And I'll I'll say this. I walked away from that interview and I listened to the whole thing. And half of it was just like, you know, there's no guarantees, but yet I'm going to guarantee something. You know, it, it, it could be really hard, but I'm very optimistic. I don't know why ARA selling these 20, these 40 games through Coin Taker all of a sudden creates these greener pastures that they're trying to sell us on. I, I think this story now has reached a point where I, I just I'm, I'm tired of talking about Barry and Dutch Pinball. And, and I walked away from this podcast, and I have to be honest with you, even having one of these 40 ARA games, I, I don't even want it. You know, I, 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 I hear him talk and I hear the way he talks about this whole thing and it sort of leaves you just kind of deflated. It does because it just nothing feels quite honest. Nothing feels truthful. Nothing feels good. Like this just it just shouldn't be this way. You shouldn't show a pinball machine in 2014, take 200 orders for games And now, six years later, you might make those people whole. And the one question that we just don't get, the one question that we just don't get is, where is the money, Lebowski? Where did all that money go? It's still never really fully answered. Okay, so that's where we're at. You should listen to it. Lots in there. You're not going to grab clips from it. Uh, poor got poor Jeff over, over at this week in pinball. He has to transcribe that thing. You got to listen through so many ums and awkward pauses to get to the end of it. But that is what it is. All right. Now here's the thing too. I, I think we've all beaten the clear code thing to death. You guys know we're waiting to see what the sob will be. We're gonna leave it at that. Okay. Lots of negativity lately. I just read in the Willy Wonka thread. Someone said Kinate is full of shit. This is one of the greatest games ever. And I have to say, if you like Willy Wonka, that's great. I'm so happy you like Willy Wonka. It might not just be the game for me. And has anyone out there, show of hands, ever changed your mind on a game? I didn't change my mind because of the way the game shot. I changed my mind because of the way the game is coded. And, and I'm allowed to change my mind on a game because of that, all right? I also don't like a left out lane that is designed like an orbit that drains so easily. I, I played it at Sunshine this week, and I played two games. I played Jurassic Park, and I played Willy Wonka. And I played $10 on each game, the two hot games available right now. And I'll say this. Look, Willy Wonka, far more, far more impressive to stand over that game than Jurassic Park. I mean, it, it, Jersey Jack games just look leagues 
leagues above Stern Machines in terms of of materials used and quality and, and, and just like the overall package is so much greater in a Jersey Jack game. Now, that being said, which one did I have more fun playing? And on location, and this was a Wonka SE, on location, Jurassic Park just plays much better. It's much easier to get into it right away, much easier to understand what you're doing right away. And I have to say, I thought Jurassic Park is a really fun game. I think it's really fun to shoot. The upper loop is super fast and awesome. And in, within a few games, I'm getting multiple multi-balls going. And, you know, you feel like you're going through the park. And the integration of the shaker motor with the dinosaurs walking, it's all very cool. Would I own one? And, and, and again, I'm just going to be honest. If it was based on the movie, I'd be much more likely to pull the trigger on Jurassic Park. Uh, I just have fun at Sunshine. And then I play a bunch of games. And... I just don't feel the desire to then own these games anymore. I just don't. There's just something about when you have games close to you. And at Sunshine, the volumes are high and you can get into the games. Uh, I don't know. Like I could take 50 bucks there a week and enjoy Jurassic Park as much as I want. Or I could spend like $6,000, $9,000 and be able to play it whenever I want. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I think I need to play it more. And I think all of us are in the same boat. Like you have to play a game a bunch of times to know it's a keeper. It's not one of the games where I'm like immediately like I have to have this game and bolt it to my floor. Uh, but it's a great game. It's a great game. Uh, Stern Stern's use now of the LCD and the way it throws you right into Jurassic Park is really awesome. I mean, the animations, the sound effects, uh, the call-outs. I thought everything in it was really fun. I, I, it's immediate. That's the other thing about Stern. It's like immediately you're like immersed in the game. Uh, Wonka the same way. The music's going on Willy Wonka. I think with Wonka the problem is when you jump on it, it's still very confusing, I think, what to do right away. I, I just, it, it doesn't have the same like, okay, we're in the chocolate factory when we're going, all right? But here's my thing, people. They're both great games and they're both going to be magical to some people and misses to other people. And it doesn't, nothing is objective here. This is all our subjective opinions about these games. I think I'm happy, if I just zoom out, I'm happy that we have a Jurassic Park and a Willy Wonka game. Okay, the next is Elvira. Here's a rumor I heard. Not sure if it's true or not, but I don't think anyone else has said this. I heard there's going to be a super limited edition of Elvira that becomes available, which would kind of make sense because I do hear Stern is going above and beyond with Elvira. So if you're waiting and you're waiting to see maybe how this clear code stuff pans out and you're waiting to see what Deep Root's going to do, you might want to wait too to see what they put into Elvira. But it's a good time. It's a good time to be part of the hobby. You have to admit you have so many options right now. And those quality control issues they will ultimately work out, and, and I do believe that these companies will do right by their consumers. I do. I do. I think they know they have to. We're a small hobby. We're a small group of people that buys a lot of these machines, and the last thing they want to do is get the diehards upset and, and push people away from buying these games. Now, ultimately, I think all of us, right, you take a little bit of a break, you have a little bit of a philosophical moment, and you start to realize you might not need to own every new game, and you can't afford to, and you don't have space, because there's just so many options coming out. There's a whole other American pinball game coming out. There's a Cactus Canyons coming out, Elvira, Deep Root, uh, you know, so many, so many options of where to go. 
and I implore everybody out there in my last show, I said it, just be nicer to each other. Be nicer. Yes, Canada's allowed to change his mind on a pinball machine, and guess what? So are you. Uh, so here is an interesting interview. Take it for what it's worth. I think I asked him all the tough questions, all the questions you would ask. I know you guys like interviews. We're going to talk to uh, Dr. Frightner, Larry. I saw he posted something today. It's just incredible. I, he just he just like beats down pinside people. It's, it's, it's incredible. Anyway, guys, enjoy this interview. We'll be back later this week with another interview. And also, please check out Special When Lit's podcast. They did a really awesome thing. They went back and they pulled old interviews with Python Angelo and Pat Lawler in which they discuss the clear coat hardness and how actually pinball machines were designed to have the clear coats uh, fall apart and break down so that operators would buy new machines. Really interesting take on pinball, and then the diamond coating came out and, and changed all that. Uh, maybe we need some more diamond coating in 2019. Everybody, thank you for listening to Canada's Pinball Podcast. I really appreciate it. I appreciate everyone who donates to my Patreon page. And again, enjoy your pinball machines. Canada's Pinball Podcast out. Let's hear about flipping the big Lebowski. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Canada is crying like a baby after watching Big Fish with his wife talking to Josh Cush, who recently sold a Big Lebowski. Josh, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you, Chris? How you doing? How's your Labor Day weekend going? It's fantastic. Fantastic. All right. Well, look, you are a, a special guest of the show because you've done something that I was planning to do but did not do. You got a Big Lebowski. Let's start from the beginning of this story. So you tell us, you were a pre-order... Or, or, or had a deposit down with CoinTicker, correct? Correct. Now, what year was that? Uh, honestly, I didn't even know about it till I heard it on your show. Oh, really? Okay, so you were a recent uh, order for the game. Very recent. In fact, when I corresponded with Melissa, she said that, sorry, the list is full. And there must have been somebody, or multiple people actually, that decided for one reason or another that uh, it wasn't for them and they backed out wow okay so let, let's take it back even further so uh, had you seen the pin over the years had you have you ever played it like what made you interested in the game absolutely i mean i've been you know intimately involved in pinball as an operator for many years and uh, i've always loved the game i thought it was beautiful but um you know i thought it was um just very well made and uh, I, I like the theme and uh, you know it's always kind of had this mystique surrounding it you know right okay so you you've played it you you love the game and then you heard about it on this show now interesting because uh, we, we started to get rumors on Pinside that they had reached a deal and that coin taker would be uh, opening up the order books to sell those 40 ARA games and so then you you, you you sort of lucked out, right, Josh? I mean, someone bailed on it. And these games, so did you, you did you just email Melissa once you heard the show and you said, put me on the list, and then she called you back and said, hey, I got a spot if you want it. That's that's exactly what happened, actually. I, I emailed with a, you know, a Hail Mary. I said, hey, listen, if anybody wants to bow out, I, you know, I'd be more than happy to take their spot over. Right. But I never, never in a million years thought that anybody that had the opportunity to get one um, would kind of uh, renege on their deal, but apparently 
right. more than one person did. It was kind of crazy too because people were waiting to the next morning to see if the games would go up for sale officially. And I think by the by midnight that day, they probably were all spoken for. I mean, in a, in a world of social media and emails and text messages, uh, I, I think people who waited sort of <clears throat> incorrectly. Uh, didn't understand the demand on this game. So, okay. But here's what I want to talk about, Josh. So you got one and then you sold it. Now we want, I want to talk about that. So did you, were you planning on keeping it or was your plan to sort of sell it because you, you knew the market for it was hot? Oh, absolutely. I fully intended on, on reselling it immediately. Um, you know, uh, listen, I probably lost more than I'll ever make in this hobby. Uh, sold games probably way too cheap as I've seen people resell games that I've sold them right away. Um, so, you know, I thought um, this would be a great opportunity to kind of recoup some of those losses and be able to deliver a game that somebody's really been wanting for quite some time and uh, somebody that's going to really love and appreciate the game um, a lot more than, than I would. Right. Now, what do you say to those people and and I've been called this, and now you know I'll tell you sure. the that were unethical <laughs> vultures who swooped in and bought a game that was someone else's and then sold it for profit. What, what sure? Yeah. What what are your, what are your thoughts when people are are, are saying but, that about flippers on this game? Listen, you know I I posted on Facebook, I posted it on Pinside. You know everybody. It just honestly, I felt like the most vocal people were the ones that had nothing at stake in the first place. Uh, if anything, those EAs had every right to be upset. However, you know, the way I look at it, obviously, is a little differently. Um, you had this contract manufacturer, ARA, that, you know, they have a payroll. And I'm sure that this was a huge impact to their, you know, to their cash flow, working capital, etc. So, They've been kind of out half a million that they've had to front to you know to keep the lights on. So if anything, the twelve five and you know obviously the other forty you know forty of us, so half a million capital injection that went into Dutch Pinball helped to satisfy that payroll that never got paid at ARA, and now Barry has a bunch of parts. So. I would say that there's probably an even better chance of EAs being satisfied now than in the first place. Right. Okay, so I get I get the initial purchase of the game is the only way forward for Dutch Pinball, but back to the question of flipping it for a profit, right? Because I've done that before in previous games, and the reason why I've sort of been like, well, you know <clears> what, <throat> on this one it feels a little, little, little off because it is hard to escape the fact, right, that you bought someone's machine that was already bought and paid for in full and then sold it for profit. Now, do, do you feel bad about that? I, Because I, there, there, do you, yeah, I just want to hear like what your thoughts are on that part of it because should people be profiting off of someone else's pain and suffering? Uh, listen, I, I totally understand where you're, where you're coming from on that and you know the fact that somebody's ea badge was removed from this game that that kind of really drives that point home i mean um but again who's to say that these games wouldn't have continued to sit or right been auctioned off or 
I mean, who knows what would have happened to these games? I mean, you know, do I view myself as a as a savior? No. Okay, I'm definitely, you know, opportunistic and I saw an opportunity in the market. And you got to remember, I also took a risk. I mean, not as much as an EA, of course, but, you know, I had no idea that these games were f- going to flow. I-, I could have been out 12-5. I mean, I... I did all my due diligence, and if I never got the game, I had very little recourse. So, you know, there was a bit of risk-taking on my part, and, you know, I should be compensated for that. Now, obviously, um, you know, it's 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 really a shame what happened to the EAs, um, but I would argue that their chances of seeing a game now are much higher than before. I mean... He could definitely do some sort of small batch production where, you know, he maybe sells three games to retail customers that are actually, um, you know, that actually have games that have been produced. And then one uh, EA could be satisfied for every three to four that are made new. Um, I don't think that would have ever happened had it not been for the 40 of us that injected that half a million. Do you think that's ever going to happen that we're going to see more? Honestly, uh, listen, after I bought the game, I was sweating bullets and I was doing a lot of research, more so than just your, you know, surface stuff. And I took a real deep dive and I literally dissected every single piece of correspondence and video that has been put out by Dutch. And, you know, it it seemed like Yop was really the driving force as far as a lot of the production was concerned. But Barry... um, you know, it's got a big ego. I mean, I think that it was Barry's ego that got in the way of kind of stepping down from, you know, obviously the the ownership piece of it with ARA because he could have very easily given up 51% of the company and ERA would have continued to make the games and they would have been delivered timely and they would have probably had a lot more out there in the wild. So the fact that Barry had the ego to not want to let go of the company was you know kind of viewed as a negative then i think that same negative can be viewed as a positive going forward because barry wants to deliver i really think that i really think that barry wants to make sure that those eas get their games initially he recognizes that dutch pinball would have been nothing without them okay so so barry let's call him barry madoff because his own his only plan (laughs) Is, is to pull a Ponzi scheme situation, which... Well, it's not... Well, yes. How is it okay. not Ponzi it's, scheme? It, it's a Ponzi scheme in that he does need new money to satisfy old clients. That's I get that. That's the exact definition of a Ponzi scheme. I, I know. I'm in finance. I, I get <laughs> it. And, you know, and, and, and I saw the repercussions of what happened to Bernie. Which but, is illegal. Uh, it, it is illegal. However, in the way that this is going to be structured, it uh, listen, he's not going to be able to pre-sale any games. Let's face it. The okay, only so, way. Yeah, let's stop there because then so he needs new capital then without pre-orders. Not necessarily because you got to remember the capital that he has is already just laying there in parts. He's just got to make the games and Cointaker has now exhibited that they can get the games out. So it's not like new money is coming in and we don't know what's coming out. New money is going to be coming into games that are already made. And Cointaker has shown the world that they can actually do it. 
Right. Well, the world probably doesn't care, but let me ask you a question. The, but he <laughs> he, has, he has no cabinets, and and we heard from Ben. He Hick. has some cabinets. He has some cabinets. Some. He has enough. How many he do you has think he a... has? I saw like Listen. a couple. <laughs> They're a thousand dollars. Listen, that's all. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. Okay, but he also said he doesn't have all the parts. He said some of the parts were were were, were lean, and he needs to order them. Now we know. Um, from following this hobby that to order parts for a machine is anywhere between three and six months to get those parts in so we're looking earliest earliest right probably early 2020 mid 2020 before another game is offered up for sale because you know josh that no one's gonna pay for anything unless they see a completed game in a box going to them i agree however i would not underestimate the power of the collective if people want to see this game get done and get out then trust me there's people overseas that will be more than happy to help facilitate right barry getting some cabinets and if he's got you know three to four let's say okay and he puts them together three of them can be sold to new buyers at 12.5 a pop and you know whatever that is you know 36k or whatever he'd be more than able to squeeze out one ea for every three to four batch games that are created do you think he's it, gonna do that like you think it's gonna happen together where it's like three here one to an ea or do you think it's just gonna be i see that's that's my big question mark is i, I don't know when the eas will actually get made whole I, the, listen it's gonna be a long time coming however you gotta remember it, it's just barry now it's barry and a pile of parts which and, makes it even uh, more unlikely no it does make it more unlikely for a full stream kind of production going on. I mean, he, I, I've seen things about Barry's looking for warehouses and manufacturing spaces and all that. I, I think that's, I think that's pie in the sky. I, I think, think what the next thing he's going to be looking for is a hydrofoil, and he's going to sell uh, off with Andrew Highway into the pinball destiny. But here's the thing: I mean, you raise a good point because you know, can one man? set up a, an assembly line in a garage and make this game. I mean, is that what this company is now r reduced to? I, I think so. It's going to be small batch production. I don't think there's uh, who, who, what manufacturer in the world would touch this, this deal after seeing what happened with ARA. People want to know they're going to get paid and nobody's just going to say, Oh yeah, go ahead. Right. We'll set up the line. We'll invest hundreds of thousands of dollars and maybe it'll work out. Sorry. American not pinball not seems to be like they, they brought John Papaduke in and let him spend, I, I heard it was like $300,000 John spent of their money to get those magic girls made. Do you think they should call Barry up and be like, Hey, why don't you make it here? We'll make a thousand. The first, you know, after 300, we'll have enough. Yeah. Do you think? But, no, that's never going to happen because look, Barry would not give up the ownership to ARA. So he, he wants to keep this thing close. There's no way that he's going to have anybody else involved unless it's, you know, some contract manufacturer that's going to be able to negotiate with him. Um, and he's in control. I mean, that's what this has always been about. So it's always did, been about Josh, Barry having control. Yeah, so his ego clearly hurt everyone who believed in him. And where did the where did the almost $2 million go? That I, I just can't understand where the money went. I mean, my gosh, I can't even imagine how much money uh, you know was spent in, in, in R&D, development. Remember, they had a huge staff. And these were professional engineers. I mean, they're not, you know, $10 an hour employees. So... You've got, you know, the payroll keeps coming 
and 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 that was where the money went. Yes, I, I've heard your point about you know the penthouse parties, but you know it's not like you know shipping a game. Okay, several several thousand bucks, a hotel, you know, food and drink. You know, it's maybe ten twenty grand. I mean, the millions is is in the payroll, the the R and D, the development, the the rent for the facilities, etc. I mean that. That, uh, that's where the money went. I right. don't think it was all just spent in dog and pony shows. I believe Scott Denisi was wearing a Dutch pinball shirt back in the day. I think he was. He working. was on the website. He, yeah, he, he helped them in in the in, in the software area. I, he I, was when when they did the the tour of the game in New York at Modern Pinball. He was there with Dutch Pinball and Barry, and they were all you know smiles and and laughter. Uh, I, I think you're right. I also think they probably paid themselves a handsome salary. The fact that they said they didn't take any money salary-wise, no way. They're, absolutely, they paid themselves. So, look, I think, Josh, you know, to get back to like where we are today, there's 40 games out there. How many of them do you think are going to be opened up and played, and how many do you think are going to be flipped like you did? Well, I mean, the first somebody beat me to it. They listed it at forty-five k. Thank the, gosh they did that because well, I beat I beat of, everyone to it. I listed it for a hundred thousand on eBay. No, no, no. I mean, once they had the game in hand, I didn't think it was right to list it without having it in hand right. because that's speculative. And and you know, I wanted honestly, you know, listen, I made a profit. There's no doubt. Yeah, how, However, you, you're not going to tell us, right? Just so listener of the show is like, ask him how much he sold it for. You 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 won't reveal that, correct? You saw what I listed it for. I listed it for twenty five, and honestly, that was based on the discussion that I had with the seller of the last new inbox game. Now, granted, that was an EA game and didn't have a lot of uh, you know the controversy surrounding these forty. However, you know he had some very uh, useful insight for me in, in regard to how to consummate a sale. What, uh, can you with can you share that, that insight? with a game of that magnitude. Um, sure. So, you know, a lot of times uh, it's not about um, how much you get, but it's about can the buyer close and is the deal a win-win. And the gentleman that purchased that game um, was uh, kind of looking to help support uh, this gentleman's business. I mean, he had, you know, he had payroll to meet, he had other ex obligations and whatnot. And, you know, he wanted to open the game, but, he, you know, life happens and so he needed the cash and so the buyer felt good about where the money was being spent and you know i know you you commented on oh i don't really know if you know that's a good spin and and this that and the other but uh, truthfully that the, the proceeds from the sale are going to help more pinball get out on the street and they're going to be working and uh, that was another factor as to why i wanted to sell because you know i i can fix pinballs but you know i can't redesign pinballs and, and manufacture bowling alley mechs and that sort of thing so that was also kind of one of the right. main factors to um to so, kind of consider. so that was part of your sales story was that the profits of this will go to helping expand pinball on location now look i i think are you saying that because there was somewhat of a good cause associated with your sale that the buyer felt also good about paying over for it because of that? No, the buyer had really no uh, <laughs> no opinions one way or another on that, honestly. He's just uh, a rich guy who has a big collection. I mean, I, I know those guys. and Yeah, they he, don't honestly, he doesn't have a big collection. 
he he has a primus and uh so i said okay this makes sense and you know they they did more due diligence on me than i did on him i mean they Wait, why does sure a that... primus start to make sense of this what i'm trying to find like what's that connection well because a primus let's face it a primus is a very special one-off type of game but it's not it hard to get a... you can get a primus is it is it was it i mean i see there's like one on ebay for like 20 grand that'll never move but was it hard to get a Primus if you wanted one? Listen, I didn't try to get a Primus, so I can't vouch for that. But I do know that this gentleman had a special connection with that band. Right. He knows Les Claypool, and he was willing to see the value in a special one-off game. So right. that could be translated to the Lebowski in that he understands the value of having a one-off game and doesn't mind paying a little bit extra for it. and. Right. Well, what's a little bit? So did you did you get near twenty five? You don't have to tell me the exact number. Honestly, I didn't. I didn't get as high as I thought I would. I did not beat make a sales record by any means, um, and um, I actually got a higher offer than the one that I accepted because this gentleman seemed like the most logical buyer. He's been in love with the Big Lebowski. He has a special connection to the movie. He um, he was a Bitcoin uh, early investor, so he you know pisses twenty grand or whatever twenty five k. It makes no difference to him. So you know it was it just felt right. Okay, all right. So rich guy, Bitcoin millionaire, uh, fan of the movie gets the game. And and look, I, I, when I've flipped games, I've always said this. You know, the as long as the buyer and the seller are happy. You know, you're who cares, right? What anyone else thinks, but there, this, this is a different story, and it just is. I mean, absolutely, people, it's a people, very high profile sale. I well, mean, you, well, what do you say to the people that say, "Man, like, why you you went in on it, hundred percent to flip it, like you were yeah. a, a speculator?" And what do you say to the people who are like, well, "Why didn't you give up your spot to someone who just wants to enjoy the game? Like, wh why did you even do? Like, does the money matter to you?" It's not like I pushed everybody down the list. I wasn't even on the list. People bowed out. Why didn't those people give it? If you're bowing out at 12.5, then you're clearly not in it for the money and you're in it for the, the love of it, then you should have offered an EA your spot instead of bowing out like a pussy. Right, right. Well, okay, but then it but it still lands on your at your doorstep where you have the option and you look, you took advantage of it and you know, for those who are pinball speculators and flippers, this was like getting in at an IPO price on a stock you know is going to go up. I mean, it just was. Everyone knew Lebowski's were worth more than twelve five on on the secondary market. Um, well, but, for now, who knows? On, apparently, on Monday they're coming out with some sort of new news, and that could be that there will be more made, and it could be more official. And CoinTaker has shown that they can make it happen. So, you know, what, what happens if that happens? Then then the re resale market falls apart or at least takes a hit. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But, uh, you know, a, a, a game in a box that can go to your door tomorrow will always be valuable in the Big Lebowski world. A, a newsletter or a promise to make more will hold no weight in, in this story because they've, they've absolutely shown no ability to deliver on anything. I mean, these games were built nah. three years ago. By, by yeah, a but the game has changed now. The game has changed. Now, 
We don't have the lawsuit hanging over our head. We don't we don't have all these contingent liabilities that we have to deal with. Yeah, and we you also have, don't have a manufacturer and you don't have an assembly line and you, you don't have the, the things necessary. You don't. No, you're right. They're going to have to tool up slowly in small batch production. Absolutely. It's going to be a long road. It could take years. Right. And then you've got the, you know, the license you're up against and so many other things. And as you mentioned, the lead time on some of these specialty parts is definitely going to be a factor. But, you know, I, I honestly think that Barry does have good intentions with all this and he wants to see those EAs satisfied. I, I really do. Yeah, I, I don't share the same optimism. I'll tell you why. <laughs> well, I'll just tell you why. I mean, sure. Barry's a crook. There's no way around it. He took, I don't think he's a crook. He took I just $2 think... million dollars of people's hard-earned money, right? And here's why he's a crook. Because at the moment of which ARA said, look, the only way to get people what they paid for is to hand over the company, right? At that moment, he decided that his ego and his personal desires outweighed the hard-earned money of his consumers. He then became a crook. And what he's doing right now, which is selling other people's games to new buyers, is criminal. Like, there's nothing, there's, it, do you disagree with that? I mean, it's criminal. You bought a car, Josh. You bought a car, right? The manufacturer of that car sold it to you for $8,500. You then never got the car. They then sold that car to somebody else for twelve five. How would you feel? I, I get it. But what if, what if that company would have failed and had no ability to get me my car? They should fail. You, like, it's, like, it's like saying to Bernie Madoff, hey, Bernie, like – We'll let you try another round of uh, of funding to fix this. No, he's in jail. He's dead right now. Right? Th this you you. It's not fair in life to give a criminal a second chance like this, is it? I don't. I don't necessarily agree that it's criminal. And you gotta listen. I, this is interesting the, the, because you bring up the Bernie Madoff thing. Bernie Madoff never made a single trade. And it was the it was the notoriety of being that guy that could help somebody else. And he, it was interesting because when he got busted, he blamed the victims. He said, listen, the victims were just throwing the money at me. What do you want me to do? And so the being being the guy was what it was all about. And so for Barry, it's this when you juxtapose it, it's very similar. Barry wants to be the guy. He wants to be the deliverer of the Big Lebowski pinball to the masses. And there's something there that will, I think, help propel this little batch production thing. Um, yeah, but Josh, he shouldn't be allowed. He shouldn't be allowed to get another go at it because what he's just done to bail himself out is criminal. Well, I'm 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 actually kind of surprised that the early EAs didn't file an injunction years ago to stop all of this shit from actually they're, going down. Yeah, and they're still not. They're still they should have. They should have. Look what happened to Zidware. I mean, th but, those guys are at least being made whole right. for the most part. I mean, but they got together. I mean, with all the as you mentioned, the social networking and all these different platforms, they could have definitely banded together in some sort of capacity. And and I read that thread from that attorney that was intimately involved with the Zidware lawsuit and that sort of thing and said it's, you know, chasing, uh, you know, good, uh, you know, bad money with good money. I, I understand that. But 
But Papaduke had his day in court, which was good enough for a lot of people who got burned. They wanted to see John suffer and face the music. Obviously, they couldn't control him getting bailed out by American Pinball and now by Deep Root, but at least he faced some of the music. Well, I, I don't know why Barry didn't just get an extra thousand bucks per EA and just because knock it he out. was lying. You think it was? That's my thing. Is this he? The the rumor is it was a thousand more euro that ARA wanted per game, right? And that why, why didn't he go back to the buyers and say that's what it's going to cost? Like, yeah, why not? Because he's a liar. Because that story's yeah, probably think, not even true. It was more of a pride thing. It was also more of a pride oh, thing, too. Remember. Okay, okay so once again, his pride overrides everyone's interests. Yes, and that while that's a negative, it could be spun as a positive going forward with his commitment to actually satisfy the EAs. If he wanted to just but bail, but that, he wouldn't have had. He wouldn't have even gone through trying to facilitate but, this deal but that's and get my the parts. But that's my whole point. Is if we live in a society and in a world in which we allow people's egomaniac, sort of sociopathic, like entitlement, you know, everything he did, like all this criminal behavior, if you're basically saying the 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 driving force behind a personality like that could drive him into like illegal behavior, but it also could drive him into like making it right because he's so driven with his ego. But I just don't think we should live in a world in which you get those kinds of second chances because it's not fair. Like, is it fair on any level that all these other pinball companies who are making, you know, are doing the hard work to get their customers whole have to watch Barry piss through $2 million, sell... Yeah, but they don't have any other i mean they had one other ancillary but, but, but isn't there but an the, option isn't there another option isn't there another option where barry is just defaults gets prosecuted for his criminal behavior or at least declares bankruptcy and then much like andrew highway did step down and allow someone else to come in declare bankruptcy go insolvent and then someone takes over the project because well, that's the that 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 was my point is that it's not criminal behavior and the fact that he facilitated this sale and is trying to make it right shows that the pride and the ego is what's going to drive him to satisfy the EAs as opposed to just declaring BK and walking from all this and just going on his his merry way yeah, which he I has mean, not done I I get it I get it I mean there's you can look at it one way where He's trying to do the right thing now and get everyone made whole, and we we should cheerlead that and support him. I I just look at it the other way. I I think that he's done nothing but mislead his buyers for three to four years. He's spun this to always make it seem like he's the victim to ARA's greed, and he's never been fully honest about this whole situation, and he only talks to, you know, his friends over, like, Jonathan Houston and the people who, like, who blindly support him— is the only place he'll he'll answer the music like like Josh he would never come on this show cuz he would never he would never be able to answer the basic questions of where the, where the money go Barry what? we all know where the money went it wasn't pissed away i mean a sh- certainly a portion of it had had to do with you know uh, the promotion of the game but i would uh, i would say that the, the largest portion was in you know setting up the manufacturing okay but paying, but at paying some... everybody to develop the game i mean they do have a game it's not like this was just pie in the sky and in development and no game was ever produced they proved that they could do it and they did it right for the first 40 batches the second forty batches, you know, there, there was a lot of other. Yeah, but how uh, comical! But, but Josh, he's got. 
Okay, so he's got like 150 to 200 pre-order dollars and at 8500, most of them paid in full. He then only 40 games went out, which is you know 40 times 8500, what is that? Like 400,000 at most. He had 2 million dollars. You know, and it's just crazy to me because he then at that point in which 40 games were sitting in boxes at ARA, he did not give those buyers a chance to make up the difference. And now three years later, we're making up the difference, but not with the people who deserve those games. That's just I I don't think uh, Listen, there's so much anecdotal stuff going on here. Nobody I, I haven't seen an income statement and a balance sheet from Dutch pinball. Who knows? They could still have some cash. Hopefully they do so that they can pay some temp people to come in and help start with the manufacturing. I mean, we don't we don't see everything. And then obviously that with it being in the Netherlands that, you know, I don't know what the what the transparency is with regard to reporting of of companies and that sort of thing. So I wouldn't necessarily say that the two million dollars is gone. And you also have a shit ton of parts. I mean, there's money in that, too. Right. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I think there's more money in parts than in games. I mean, all the 80 people who own games are all going to want to buy, you know, replacement parts. And how much is a bowling alley worth? And how much is a a rug mechanism worth to people? I I bet they're going to charge a pretty penny uh, when Cointaker sells those parts, you know, to people who, who bought these games. Look, Josh, I get it. I get it. Do you feel relieved that you're out of this drama Absolutely. Um, I also feel relieved that there wasn't a new press release during my sale that could have impacted the resale. I also feel relieved that there was some guy that listed it for 45K. So a lot of the hate that was probably, you know, going to be coming my way went his way. And when I list my game for 25 and he's at 45, my gosh, my game looks like a bargain. Right. Now, 45 is just ludicrous, right? What do you think of that price? 45 is like, I love this game. I'm never giving it up price. Now, right. everybody has a price. Uh, yeah, that guy just wanted attention. He, I think he just I, wanted people to know he had it. And it I means, think if somebody offered him 45K, he would have sold it. In yeah, fact, well, of I course, spoke to him and he would have. But, but you got to be moronic to offer 45K, especially, you know, obviously you, you can get it for, for half that price easily. Yeah, and you don't do it on Pinside. Where, and I think he created like a different profile. It was like his first post. Kind of, yeah. 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 So at least I yeah, listen, I I take full responsibility for for, you know, my 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 sale. I didn't hide behind a fake profile. I listed it on Facebook, you know, and and so, uh, you know, I was just trying to um, obviously take advantage of the timing of all of this. And I know that there are people out there that uh, weren't as fortunate to uh, have uh you know, taking advantage of the opportunity. And that, and that's all it really was to me. I didn't view it as, oh, I'm selling somebody else's game. I, I, I'm not selling somebody else's game. I'm paying for ARA's payroll that they've been floating for the last three years. Yeah, I mean, look, that's that's one way to look at it. There is a little bit of, you know, there's a way to like look at this and justify it. But it, it was a game that was paid for in full by somebody else, right? I mean, how do you escape that? What is it? Was it a game that was paid for? Was it? Was it? Yeah, they had a. Yeah, was paid you, for? You, was, it, was, ga- it Barry's, yes. was it Barry's? No, uh, Josh, no, hotel rooms that were paid Josh, for. I mean, the, there's so many different no, things Josh, that, that money went into. Josh, before the early achiever plaque was removed on the game that you bought, 
that game specifically was built for somebody and paid for. So that's that's why. Look, I'm not blaming you. I'm just I blame Barry. I, no, I get it. I get it. I get. I don't it. think I, you're I, to blame. I don't think Coin Takers to blame. I don't think any of these new buyers are to blame. I think Barry solely is to blame, and he's 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 a master manipulator at always shifting the blame or or playing the role of victim. Oh, if only we get more money, I can I can make you guys whole. Well, dude, you lied to us for years about how to make this work and and you and you're right Josh he put his ego in front of the, the the interest of his consumers and that is when you should go out of business it's not when you should get a second chance that's my that's my that's my take on this whole thing right I don't disagree with a portion of that right well let me, let me, <laughs> let me ask you a question because I'm also taking I'm taking some heat about you've seen the, the 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 clear code issues and I think if there's anything that makes a big Lebowski worth a lot of money is there are no clear coat issues on the game because it was made uh, years ago when which we could still use solvent-based clears. Have, have you listened to the show? Am I getting into a broken record territory? But it's 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 the big no, thing No, obviously happening. you're having a huge... I mean, honestly, you're, you're having a huge impact because I just heard Jack on, you know, the Pinball News podcast and he, you know, cut his vacation short to kind of... Uh, address the issue and it is an issue and you know i've had games from pretty much every decade and never experienced the kind of dimpling that i have on my star wars stern game and you know it's on route so it definitely takes a beating but i mean to the degree that the that the that the dimples are uh you know manifesting themselves i mean it's extremely noticeable this is not something that's just gonna oh there's so many dimples now that oh it looks like there's no dimples it, it, they that's never BS. they never even out i don't understand where that rumor they never started. even out never. it's bs and the fact that steve was like oh th this is this has always been an issue in pinball bullshit those old games they look flawless and I they've know. been paid played 10 20 000 times this is a new issue and I thought it was originally kind of related to the wood being that, you know, it's both. The, it's cheaper wood, know, cheaper yeah. wood and water based clear coats that are softer. It's 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 a combination of those yeah. two. Yeah. And, you know, stuff happens. But, you know, when you're selling games at, at the rate that Stern does, you know, OK, so one or two, whatever, 10, 20 populated play fields, it's not going to move the needle much for them at all. Right. Can Jersey Jack survive this if their buyers just hit pause and you want. know honestly I, I, you're, one of your last podcasts when you were talking about how you know they designed a game for the operators and it's going into people's houses and there's a huge disconnect between what they intended the game to be made for and what it's actually being used for i think that speaks more to some of the marketing missteps of the Willy Wonka. And and honestly, the way that I look at the rippling and, and, and the the damage, I, I view that as a great buying opportunity on the secondary market, honestly, because if it doesn't bother you, put a washer under it. You don't see it. It goes away. You get a great deal on a great game, and everybody's happy. I mean. What are you talking about? The washers don't solve the problem. I'm, I'm looking they at do. I had the same issue on TNA. I bought two TNAs. The first one, no issue. And ironically, the second one that I bought had an issue with the clear. And, you know, I reached out and uh, got the washers and, you know, put the washers under it. And 
it looks great and i haven't noticed any further impacts on it um so uh, it, unless you are a super <laughs> meticulous collector i don't really think it's it's going to impact uh jersey jack to the degree that you think right well we'll see we'll see i mean we're curious to hear what the solve is and i think that's been the big issue is nobody's even really admitted there's a problem and 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 so we still don't have a solve for customers who you know the ones who are having the puddling lift up the clear and take the artwork with it what they're going to do for those people right are they going to give them new play fields that are fully populated we're they're not going to do that i the 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 amount of money that that would cost yeah but then those people are never going to buy again uh, would you know. would you buy from them again if you bought a brand new nine thousand dollar game and it's it's cracking and, and taking the clear and the and the artwork up? I would I would certainly be upset about that, but at the same time, I would see what type of remedy is being offered and what type of support I'm getting. And uh, well, what you know, remedy I, would 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 appease you? I would like a new playfield at cost, at the very least. But why should you have to pay for it? Because it's manufacturing. Things happen, you know. Uh, sometimes cars are sold that are recalled. Just, you know, I know you like the car analogies. I mean, things happen in manufacturing. Yeah, you don't pay is, for it. When a, when a car gets recalled, you don't pay for any of that work. Uh, that's true. That's true. It's not just but, true. That's a big That's a big. Thing, right but uh, i mean you also have manu- uh, car manufacturers that that don't issue recalls because they figure that the lawsuits from all the people's deaths are going to be less than it would be to recall all the cars so i you know i'd rather them address it than just kind of right. sweep it under the rug and i th- i do think there are they are going to come out with a fix i actually do think that the problem is less than is what is being magnified on the forums and whatnot. Because let's face it, the the, the folks that are going to be that are being harmed are going to be the most vocal. And people that are satisfied generally don't come out and say, "Hey, I, you know, I'm so happy." It's only the people that are pissed off that are going to be the most vocal about it. So it's being amplified uh, to such a degree. Um, when I think that it's probably not as systemic as a problem as we would all think. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I mean, and and you're right. I mean, it's it's impossible to know. We we never we never know how many games are sold. We never know when we see problems with games, it's hard to determine the number of them that are affected, but when they did the Pirates of the Caribbean survey on Pinside, it was a large number of games. I want to say it was somewhere between 40 and 50% of owners uh were experiencing issues. So we'll see. I mean, this this issue will not go away anytime soon until they announce that they've figured out a better way to make these play fields because it shouldn't be happening Josh I mean those those posts should not be sinking into the No it should effect. not be happening and as soon and as soon as you see that I mean you kind of have uh, a duty to halt production and figure out exactly what's going on right. and you I mean these are not uh, cheap toys by any means and so yes if i if i purchased one for 10 grand and then started to pull up i would i would be extremely vocal about it and um i would be understanding in that you know these are boutique games and things happen and but i would also try to gauge 
um, you know, the level of support that I'm going to get going forward. And right. I think that um, I think that we will see from Jack and Stern the commitment to kind of make it right. As long as that's there, then I don't think that that's going to impact the sales very much. But right. they do need to figure out a solution, whether that's to, you know, leave additional cure time or whether to go to, you know, a different manufacturer of play fields or what have you. I definitely think some sort of fix is in order. I, I definitely don't think that they can just continue the way that they're they're going now. Right. Well, I've got 2,500 collectors that listen to this podcast and I've been telling them to not buy until a solution occurs and I've heard nothing from Stern or Jersey Jack, which is, it's, it's funny to me because they do try to ignore this podcast, but they know where to get me. They know my email is canadapinball at gmail.com. Uh, and it can't be good for business that we are getting on the airwaves every week and telling people, I, I just wouldn't buy until I hear what the solution is because none of these games, Josh, are, are hard to get again. This isn't a situation in which if I hold on my Willy Wonka LE, you know, I won't be able to get one. They're making 5,000 of them. Um, I think Jack is going to have a tremendously hard time selling those collector's editions with this hanging over it. What do you think? Listen, if you're paying top dollar for a collector's edition, I would think you would expect it to be perfect in every way. And um, it should be. I At that price point, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And I, and I do think that they know that too. I mean – you know they're in business to to make money and satisfy customers, and I'm sure the margin on those CES is 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 lucrative enough to motivate them to find a solution. Right. So, Josh, do you um have you bought any new in boxes besides your Lebowski flip? Recently? I bought a new in box Stern a few years ago, uh, an Aerosmith. Wow. Do you, did you keep? Is it on location or is it in your house? It was on location for a while, and then I actually wound up uh, trading it for a kiss because uh, that was going to kind of fit the venue a bit better. Okay. How many games on, on route do you have? Oh, we've got multiple games, uh, mostly in Chicago. Okay. So are you, is this, are you an operator on the side? Is it what you, It's not what you do for a living, right? No, 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 no. I'm a fin- financial advisor by day, and basically the... Uh, the, the the company takes care of uh, you know right your hobby the side, the, right the side hustle takes care of the uh, the pinball because you know it is a very expensive hobby as a financial advisor uh, what what would your advice be to people who are who are buying these pins like do you, do you consider pinball to be a good use of your of someone's finances and how much money should someone have in you know saved up before they spend like nine to thirteen thousand on a game. Well, I mean, obviously it's all subjective, but I would, if you're first, first, let me say this, it's not an investment. Don't view it as an investment because the minute you do that, you suck a lot of the enjoyment out of it. Um, I would say that if you are looking for it as an investment, you should probably stick to the earlier Bally Williams games that are, you know, that don't have a chance of being remade, obviously. But, you know, you should be fully funding your Roth, fully funding your 401k, making sure you get your matches and all that. And if you've got a kid, you should be funding a 529 plan for their college and that sort of thing before you just kind of piss it away on a pinball machine. Right. 
And and I think we we definitely see, you know, some people have a lot of money in this hobby and some people don't. And I think that's what makes pinball great, right? It's 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 accessible enough to everybody, right? This isn't like a Ferrari collection or, you know, it's it's hard to have a car collection and not, you know, and not be super wealthy. But I think pinball, you could definitely have a collection without being a, a multimillionaire. And years ago, if you got into this hobby, like 10 years ago, oh my God, you could have a Bally Williams collection for just 20,000. You could have the top titles in your house. Um, oh gosh, I know people that bought, you know, brand new Medieval Madness games for 1900 a pop. I yeah, mean, I mean, it, it was incredible. Yeah, it, it was incredible. And But what I think is outrageous is now, I mean, you've got games like F14 going for, you know, three grand. I mean, it's a thousand dollar game, or at least it was in my mind, and it was for many years. The same thing with like, right. you know, a lot of those C titles that are now literally going for double what they were going for just a few years ago. I think that speaks volumes to you know, a lot of the new people coming into the hobby and not having any reference point as to what these games were actually going for originally. Right. Who, who do you think's making the most magical pins right now? Um, honestly, uh, you know, Jersey Jack games are beautiful. I mean, I, I really enjoyed uh, TNA and a kind of a fresh perspective. I thought, and I also enjoyed helping support uh, that type of initiative. I mean, that. You know, um, in terms of magic, um, you know, I'd probably say, uh, you know, Jersey Jack has really got, you know, a lot of passion there. And, uh, you know, Stern is Stern has got some great designers. Uh, I mean, Keith Elwin and, you know, a lot of these other guys, they're putting putting out some great products. But, you know, they have to mass manufacture, whereas opposed to, you know, Jersey Jack and can take a little bit more time to uh, put in a bit more magic. And uh, if you're designing a game to go in somebody's house, then you can have a little bit more elaborate mechanisms and that, and that sort of thing. Right. Um, whereas Stern has to focus on operators that uh, just want to be able to plug it in, turn it on and, and earn money. And they don't want to be bogged down by tech calls so you know i i think th there is magic in all of these games uh in that you know the code and uh the, the the various titles that resonate with people can can be magical but as far as maybe just like you know light shows and mechanisms and that sort of thing is is probably more uh jersey jack all right yeah, I think people would agree that Jack is is aiming higher, and and we all want to see Jack succeed. I mean, that's people might people might listen to my shows recently and be like, "Well, you're you're trying to put Jack into the grave," and and, and I'm not. I, I'm trying to highlight what I think again is just always seems to boggle me with Jersey Jack is it's like they just don't get their customer base, which is when your customer base is a home use player who's a collector. You got to make the games as close to perfect as you can, and they want games to be deeper. They want to have more complex mechanisms, and and they're fine paying more for that. That's the thing is, and when I see a Jersey Jack game, Josh priced the same amount as a Stern game, I, I always just shake my head and I'm like, man, Jack's giving away the farm if he's not pricing his games well above Stern's. I will say that um, you know you're about face on the Willy Wonka has been interesting because I remember your elation when you went to the factory and you were 
it was it was really awesome to see. I mean, it was like your inner nine year old came out, and you were like, "Oh my God, this is the world under glass that I've always been talking about, and this is, you know, this is going to change the game." And oh my gosh, they've nailed it. They've hit it out of the park. Right. And then I and then I think I know the point at which everything got um, kind of turned around is when you were talking with Joe Katz, and and basically the response was, "You get what you get." You know, who the hell says that to a buyer? You get what you get. You're in marketing. You know that you have to cater to your market. And if you tell your market, hey, this is what you get and deal with it, I think that's the wrong attitude. Yeah, absolutely. Have. I mean, that you're, you're right. I mean, I turned south on the game when I started to see the way the code was developing and the movie I love just wasn't coming through in the game the way it should. And I still, to this day, don't understand why they won't answer a very simple question, and that is, do you have the rights to use the movie footage with the audio from the actors synced up in the game? And, you know, a response like, what you see is what you get, is the last response I want to hear. What I wanted to hear is, we're going to continue to improve the code of this game to satisfy every Willy Wonka fan out there. If he had just said that, uh, much different response, and we know that you know this code gets polished over the years, and that's it. I'm out because I don't I don't want to hear an apathetic, mediocre sort of you know shrug your shoulders response, and that just goes to show how piss poor some of these companies are when it comes to marketing and getting excitement into their games, and a little bit of arrogance maybe mixed with sort of indifference mixed with you know, hiding the truth from all of us buyers about what kind of assets they have in the game. And Josh, look at Stern with, with Dr Jurassic Park, right? They told us right away, there's not going to be any movie assets in it. We don't have them. Here's the game that Elwin designed. And look look at the difference in response. People are like, all right, you told us the truth and we love what you did with it. And we're not going to harp on the movie not being there because you told us right away it wasn't going to be there. Well, it's kind of interesting because... The way that you talked about, you know, they're building this game for location, but their people are putting it in their house. Well, it's the same thing with regard to the movie assets. Well, we have all these movie assets, but we're not really going to use them. It's like it's like halfway through the process, they they change directions, and it's clearly having an impact. At least with Stern, they had an objective; they stuck to it. They have some of the best uh, use of the the LCD that I've seen in terms of integrating into the theme. And the fact that there's no movie assets is like, who cares? That's right. not what it's about. It's about it's about a journey. It's about telling a story, and it's about letting literally the best pinball player in history have carte blanche with the design. I mean, that's that's what you want to support, right? Well, right. And and these decisions are made at the very beginning. Of the development of a game and pat lawler and joe katz decided to make willy wonka the way they wanted to make it and look the reason i was so excited and i'll say this you know jack told me when i was over there he said wait do you see this amazing thing that's going to happen chris he said you're going to end up on wonka vision and and that that was the thing i was talking about when i was like a, an eight-year-old giddy about the game was sure i thought the way they were going to do it what was going to be a magical moment in pinball and, and be revolutionary. Like never before in playing pinball 
has your image been taken and put onto a screen on the play field while you're playing now when you watch the way that happens in the game now it's oh it's so, terrible it's terrible it makes, it's like it's a driver's no license photo it, you're yeah, not ready for it it comes out awful and you're like what what wait what, what right happened? yeah exactly there's no build-up there's no <laughs> excitement there's nothing to say hey Call you know, call your wife or your friend. Hey, watch! I'm about to end up on Wonka Vision, and they easily could have done it where it's holding the ball for a little bit, and you're on Wonka Vision talking, and it's coming, and you see yourself talking like you know Mike TV does in the movie itself. It, it's and that's the thing. It's it. I just think it lacks creativity. It lacks imagination the way they did it, and and it's just not for me. And I could have sat in a room with them and said, hey. If we're going to put this mech in the game, we got to make this a moment everyone's going to remember. And they completely fumbled it. And I'll say it to Jack's face. I'll say it to Joe's face. I'll say it to Pat Lawler's face. You guys messed up bringing this movie to life. And they did. And I'm going to argue with Larry, Dr. Frightener. He's coming on the show to defend Willy Wonka. I can't wait to slaughter him when he comes on the show. <laughs> I told him that. He's like, well, I'm going to talk to Jack first and find Yeah, go Go talk to Jack all you want. Nothing is going to change the fact that they butchered that movie in the code of the game. It, it's like they put it in a blender and everything's just happening randomly. There was definitely some lack of direction as far as where they wanted to go. And it was just kind of all coming together, um, you know, on the fly. And I think that's that kind of... Pat wanted to make a game for operators. Now, just think about that, Josh. That is just sure. the dumbest decision to make if you're Jersey Jack a boutique company that's making high-end pins for the home buyer. What, what? I, I agree. It completely it is missing your target market. If you're going to go for a different market, then you know you gotta you gotta go at it in a different capacity than just basically stripping one mech out. Uh, right. You know, right. Uh, design a different game for that type of purpose, or just stay in your lane. And make high-end pins for the, for the collector. Right. Why, you know why you can't be all things to every market segment because you'll spread yourself too thin and spend a bunch of money that will never come back. Right. Well, Josh, we are up on the hour. Right? It goes fast, right? Canadian Pinball Podcast. You know, whenever I do interviews, people, uh, it, you, you look at the clock and you're like, "Wow, we've hit an hour." Josh, I really want to thank you for joining the show. I know it's not easy being a big Lebowski flipper and talking about it candidly, but you did so, and I thank you for 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 having the courage to do so. So, thank you so much. Sure, it was my pleasure, and you know, I, I really appreciate uh, you bringing a lot of these issues to light uh, for the hobbyist. I mean, like I said, I would have never even gotten on the list had I not heard it on your show first. Well, you're so, welcome. So the cost of that to you for me is a Twippy vote. Do I have your vote? Well, you you have my Twippy vote, um, and uh, you guys should uh, you should have a little something there for uh, an evening with drinks with Brenda on me. No, I, I appreciate it. A uh, little finder's fee for that Josh gave me. That whole, the um, least I could do. Yeah, no, we appreciate it. We we had omakase last night, and it went to a good cause. So thank you so much for that. And all of you out there who donate to Canada's Pinball Podcast, I do appreciate it. I appreciate everyone who listens. So Josh, thank you so much. We'll get you back on the show. I, I, this was this was a good debate, and we'll um, it wasn't even a debate, but we'll, we'll I love hearing your opinions about pinball. And let's get you back on after Deep Root comes out. I'm I'm, I'm going to do a whole list of what people's responses to Deep Root are when it happens in November. How's that sound? I think there's a lot of money on the sidelines just waiting. Patient. It is. Robert couldn't hit a. This couldn't be a better time to launch a new pinball company that doesn't have clear code issues. 
Absolutely. And he can't be that transparent because he needs some competitive advantage. I mean, you can't you can't let the other competitors know when to gear up their next big title. And it's going to be complete blindsiding. When they I love come it. To- he's going to he's going to walk in like like uh, Nero at the gates of Rome. And he's going to I love it because he's got that bullish like <laughs> I want to burn Stern down to the ground kind of attitude. That's that's what we need. We need people who are who are stridently trying to showcase how mediocre everything else is and just blow it up. I, I love it. I love that we have a a, a, a a crazy new company coming out that's going to try to do that. So it's exciting. It gives us something to look forward to because everyone Absolutely. else... Absolutely. I mean, you got to remember, they've got an all-star team. And not only do they have an all-star team, but they also have the business acumen from other lines of business to know what works and what doesn't and how to pull it off properly. Yeah, the only thing they don't know how to do is make pinball. <laughs> They've never done it before. But it's going to be curious because I, I love it. I love it. There's so much that could go right and there's so much that could go wrong. But I agree with you. They do have the right players on the field, albeit they might be the players that other companies didn't want. They might be like the misfit league. But I still think they've got the ace in the hole and I still I, I think it's John Papaduke. I think John Papaduke with the right team around him is is someone I would never want to go against creatively because he just has an ability to do things that other people just can't do because it's the way his brain is wired and you know connect him with engineers and animators and other talented people which Robert has done. We expect great things. Like it's right Josh, it's going to be great or it's going to be disappointing. There's no middle ground with this company. Well, I think with all the delays, you're going to be pleasantly surprised. Awesome. Can't wait. Well, Josh, thank you so much. Um, we will talk soon. And always a pleasure to have a new guest on Canada's Pinball Podcast. It's been a pleasure, Chris. Thank you. Awesome. If I had a little money, it's a real-